The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. Our spirulina that grows with LED lights, with this specific light combination that was optimized for something totally different, has a lot of vitamin B12. Vaxa is a technology company that creates alternative foods rich in vitamins, minerals, and proteins. We use algae as a vehicle, but we're not an algae company. And we do it in a sustainable way. In the vertical farming of algae, we do not have it. Everything is bubbling and moving, so there's no places for algae to settle. This marriage, I mean, for us, it was a one-stop shop, but the potential, where would you go next, is, is global. Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast. Weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast, Season 7. Regular listeners to the show, welcome back, welcome back. So happy to have you back week in and week out as I share these fantastic conversations with some amazing guests. If this is your first time listening to the show, then I'm glad you're here. You're in the right place because this is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we kicked off season seven with Tom Adamchik, the founder and CEO of Plant in Detroit. We learned a lot about his passion for being an entrepreneur, what it's been like to have Detroit as a headquarters with its rich history in the auto industry and some of the parallels between the Renaissance in auto production and what's happening in the vertical farm industry and the fact that it's in Detroit makes that especially interesting for Tom. Make sure you check that out. We had a really lively discussion. I think you'll enjoy that one. This week, we speak to Dr. Isaac Berzin. He's the founder and CTO at Vaxa Life. It's a company that creates sustainable algae-based feed and food ingredients. Dr. Isaac was named one of the 100 most influential people in politics, business, and science in 2008 by Time Magazine for his work in sustainability and climate change. And in this episode, we talk about the biology of algae and its role in the food chain, his experience working with supplements at Qualitas Health, and the work he's doing at Vaxa Life to help create alternative foods rich in vitamins, minerals, and proteins. It's the first time we've been to Iceland on this show and the first time we've covered this crop as well. So lots of new things to dig into. As a reminder, we're always looking for a rating and a review. 
head on over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out next. All right, let's jump into this conversation with Dr. Isaac. But before we do, here's a couple of words from the amazing folks that continue to support this show and for which I am eternally grateful. This episode is brought to you by Indoor AgCon 2023. I'm so happy to have been working with the team last year. Indoor AgCon 2022 was my very first indoor farming conference. So it was really eye-opening for me. So I'll always be grateful to the team there for rolling out the carpet for me. <laughs> and I uh, really had a good time meeting a lot of past guests and excited to join them again this year. Entering its 10th year in a row, it's the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming and CEA, and it's returning to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on February 27th and 28th of 2023. Once again, they'll be co-located with the National Growers Association show as well, which is a really good fit for them. The conference keeps growing, and this year it's doubled in size. The expo floor now has more than 170 booths filled with new product resources and solutions to explore. You'll hear from experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and others in the field during this full-scale educational conference. As always, you'll be able to connect with peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners at their great networking events. I haven't even gotten to the best part. The team at Indoor AgCon has given listeners of this show 20% off their full access conference pass. All you have to do is use promo code VFP, as in Vertical Farming Podcast, and sign up at indoor.ag. See you there. If you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that this is the space where I get to talk about some of the fantastic sponsors and supporters of this show. If you are interested in being one of those sponsors, by all means, reach out to me directly, harry at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. We've got inventory available for season seven, and the reach of the show just continues to increase year over year. And we'd love to partner with you and get the word out about your company or service. So Isaac Berzin, founder and CTO at Vaxa Impact Nutrition, thank you for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Pleasure to be here. Where is home for you? Very good question. So I spend my time almost equally between Iceland and Israel. Mm -hmm. So probably uh, the Irlands are where. <laughs> no, I live in Jerusalem, but I also have a home in Reykjavik, Iceland. So 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll get into the specifics of how you ended up in Iceland, because I think it's a really interesting story. But I like the idea of telling origin stories. And you know, there's, I did see your TEDx talk. <laughs> I don't remember when the year was, but it was interesting because I think it's educational for a lot of people who may not understand the benefits of everything we're going to talk about in terms of, you know, a good source for omega-3s and algae, and I think a lot of things that people just take for granted. But I'm curious, you know, where this passion for you started. I know you've done some work with NASA on the space station, and you've also you know, done some work at MIT as well. Right. So I was, at the time, a researcher at MIT's Center for Space Research, working on a project that was supposed to cultivate different uh, cell lines uh, for the International Space Station, so scientists will be able to see how microgravity affects you know, different organisms. It so happened that I fell in love with algae at that point. As you mentioned, I think there's a big gap of understanding why they're so vital to life. I tell people about algae, they think, oh, it's what the pond scum, it's like whatever, it's like removed from life, which uh, actually the opposite is true. So and then I was thinking, could they be, could they do anything useful on this planet? And if you think about it, Harry, we have like a schizophrenic approach to carbon. On one hand, we shower too much carbon in the atmosphere. Oh my God, you know, climate change. On the other hand, there's not enough carbon in terms of food or you know, things like that. So 
I say, you know, what's going on here? Is it too much or not enough? Actually, it's too much gas carbon, CO2, not enough organic carbon, food. And what they recycles carbon from being a gas to being an organic uh, yummy thing, it's uh, plants. Actually, you know, I used to tell people that everything we eat is light. Yeah, everything we eat is light. Either light firsthand from the plant that did the photosynthesis, light secondhand from the animal that eat the plant that use the light photosynthesis. But that's how nature works. Nature works by recycling carbon. It's just a part of the cycle. That's all. And we're trying to do it in an efficient way. That's, so, that's a perspective that took me the time. So prior to Vaxa, you were the uh, you founded uh, Qualitas. So can you talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey as well? Because I think that's fascinating, and I think I imagine there's going to be some connections, you know, as you move to Vaxa. But can you talk a little bit about Qualitas? Yes. So Qualitas was founded with the idea of bringing the first algae-based photosynthetic algae-based omega three to the world. You know, if you ask relatively you know, knowledgeable people, where does omega-3 come from? They're going to tell you the fish. It's coming from the fish. And the truth is that fish do not produce omega-3s. They do not. They just accumulate. But they get it from the algae they eat up the food chain. So algae are the originator of DHA and EPA, which are the health-related omega-3s. And the fish is just the middleman. Okay? So the idea was to cut the middleman and to bring the omega-3 from the source. That was how um, Qualitas was founded, and uh, the idea was to find something that would be cost-effective, so that we migrated into open ponds. You know, you think, what can be more cost-effective than a piece of desert with just a paddle, and this is great. Reality is more complicated. You know, in the end of the day, there are like, I would say, three different aspects that you think about. Okay, one is sustainability, which is a big word, mm -hmm. but I'm an engineer, so I, I need to understand the numbers. And for example, if you have an open pond, you have a very significant evaporation and if you do the math even if you grow marine algae what evaporates is fresh water so in order to keep to maintain a certain salinity level what do you have to put in fresh water so in the end of the day you know it looks like a sustainable thing but what you have to put in is a finite resource and then the other thing i think is you know one of the challenges of agriculture is inconsistent quality especially with the crop that you harvest every day Every day, a different temperature, different life conditions. So every day you have a different input. And that's very hard for the industry to accept. So this was kind of the learning curve that brought me to Iceland, to a different platform of both, I would say, sustainability and user experience in the end of the day, and thanks by large companies as well. What was your biggest takeaway during the time you were at Politas, probably a little over or six years? What did you learn and what... Did you not know going in, in terms of what would be involved in running a, a supplement company? Yeah. So first of all, I was happy to learn that, yes, it does take some education and it's not for vegetarian. It's a simple question. Do you want your omega-3 firsthand or you want it seventh hand from the fish that ate the algae with all the additional uh, mercury, PCBs, whatever is in the Okay. It's a very easy decision. So I think what I learned is surprisingly good way, with easy it is. Once people get it, they say, oh my God, is it? like So, so why would I squeeze a dead fish? Okay, so, so that was an easy part. What was hard it was the fact that you do not sell algae, you sell the oil, the omega-3 rich oil. So you have to get the oil out of the algae. And that's a process that you have to be very mindful of because you want to maintain the natural quality of the oil. In this specific algae, 
the oil was pol a polar oil. What's the difference? If you take mm -hmm. oil and water, you mix them. Oil floats on the top, right? But if you take a polar oil and mix it with water, it stays in emulsion. Mm -hmm. Imagine your stomach now. If you eat oil-based thing and it floats on the top, you have fishy burps that you yeah, then you have no friends, right? So polar oil is is a completely different user experience. Highly bioavailable. You need a smaller dosage. So the user experience is superior, but you have to maintain it when you extract the oil out to don't disrupt this chemical structure. And we made a conscious choice of using green chemistry only. So we don't use any toxic solvents, even if they're allowed by the law, like we don't use it, period. So the journey was harder than I imagined. You know, to get something of the quality uh, that uh, was not an easy job. Uh, it's okay. We, we, you know, with persistence uh, and feeling that you know you're doing the right thing you can go a long way why was this important to you you know we'll get into how you started vaxa life but i'm curious about your sort of like your mindset or you know what is something that i gathered from like the energy of, of you during the ted talk is like this idea of doing better for the planet and i'm wondering like where that comes from for you i think it's it's a natural thing right all of us are here for a period of time and we bring something good or bring a benefit Probably we should. So I think it's the choice of value is like pretty easy. If you can do something positive, why wouldn't you? I would say the other way around. And I was blessed to live this interface between engineering and biology for many, many years. I understand both languages. Uh, so I wanted to translate the knowledge I gained over many years to something that will needle in the world to the positive direction. So I think we're fortunate to live in this Think about this, okay? It took us thousands of years to go from hunter-gatherers to farmers, right? Thousands of years. But in terms of omega-3, what are we? Hunters-gatherers, right? So this is an evolutionary step. It just accelerated the evolution, but it's like something we as humans, uh, that's what we do, okay? We use technology and we apply it to get better quality of life, better quality of products, better quality of, you know, measuring sustainability matrix. So I think it's into you. Yeah. Very admirable. And so I'm curious about, you know, think about the early days towards the end of your supplement company with Qualitas. What was going through your mind when you were thinking about starting up Vaxa Life and what was different or what needed to change or where did you see the need different than what you were able to provide in Qualitas? Correct. So Qualitas is still up and running and I have the excellent product in the market. But for me, you know, remember how we started this journey. It's a quest of sustainability. And it's a quest for superior user experience. I know what we bring to the table is the worst camel in the world. So much water, fresh water. I know the value of that. It's a finite resource, okay? And if in the end of the day, you have no control over who lives in the open pond, right? The, whatever the rain brings, whatever the, you know, the boar jumps in the water, right? It's like, it's agriculture. Did you do a good job? And my answer was good enough. I th think we brought... You know, we brought the first photosynthetic algae-based omega-3 to the market, to the world, which is great, wonderful. But is it good enough? Probably not. So that was kind of in the back of my mind. You know, in the end of the day, you have to have an honest quest. And this was part of the journey. It took me to Iceland. <laughs> so this is yeah, really interesting because obviously this is, it's a really important part of the Vaxa Life story. So did you pull team members from Qualitas, because I'm an entrepreneur myself, I always think about these things. And where do you look for a team? And what are the skill sets that you need when you're starting something like Vaxa? Right. Actually, what happened was the Iceland kind of found me. 
the Icelandic government was looking for additional growth engines for the country because, you know, they're based on tourism or cheap energy, but that's not kind of what they saw the future in. And someone decided that algae is a great fit for, for Iceland. And they were calling me maybe for two or three years every month and asking me, would I just come and see Iceland because it's a great place for algae? And uh, I was thinking to myself, 300 people, 200,000 people sitting on an island with no sunlight half a year, and they want to grow algae. What a great idea. Good luck, guys, okay? Only when I see how advanced this nature is, how entrepreneurial they are, and that actually having clean energy is the way to go, because then you aren't trivially to replace sunlight, and there are many advantages coming from that. Some of them were trivial, some of them were non-trivial, but this combination of cultivating microalgae with a geothermal plant to integrating into a geothermal plant was never done before. So it sounded at the time like crazy. So I reached out to the same team that walked with me from my early MIT days, a biologist and an engineer that were free. They were my partners in all the journeys I made. And the learning curve I'm describing, uh, you know, I started with no white hair and I hopefully some wisdom <laughs> accumulated here. Yeah. But the learning curve was joined for the three of us. And I, I was telling them what I saw and I was telling them about the technology gap. You need to do probably vertical farming of algae and uh, never done before, not in a geothermal you know, plant uh, setup. And I understand the big picture, but someone needs to develop a new technology. And they said, yes. And luckily enough, we joined uh, Ohad, which is the CEO of the company. And he was the first investor. Uh, basically, Ohad and his father just looked into my eyes and wrote a check to build a prototype, to put you know, some proof of concept, to file for patents. And it was just... I think it's the feeling of doing the right thing that was guiding them. They're very sharp business people, but they were taken by trust. I will never forget this. You know, how do you gather a team? How do you fund an idea? How do you, I remember even the Icelanders that invested, you know, in this, they, they asked me, Isaac, what is, was it ever done before? And I said, can you do it? Yeah. Okay. There we go. So this is a, these are precious moments. Know how valuable and precious they are. It's pure trust. Trust of the, you know, some people pay with their, you know, being away from the families. Some people pay with their money. Some, but it's a group that believe in, they believe in you. It's a huge responsibility. I think that if you didn't have a chance to feel this responsibility, it's like something that keeps you up at night. Just the trust level. Um, that's how it all started. So obviously, I get the sense that you definitely had the confidence in being able to produce this in a vertical farming environment with the team you had put together. Naturally, when you start the project, there's probably things that you had not thought of or, or things that were maybe challenging in the beginning. So I'm just curious, you know, what were some unforeseen road bumps along the way, uh, things you couldn't have foreseen, but that you were able to work through? Yeah. So I'll give you one example, which was a kind of surprising retrospectively, because I should have known better. One of the things that attracted us to Iceland is the clean and cheap electricity, geothermal electricity. That's kind of obvious when you have so much, you need a clean and cost-effective source. And then you build a system with all these lights shining, and it's like a damn oven because a big fraction of the light is converted to heat. You know, your lights are burning hot, your algae are a soup. How are you going to cool this thing? Okay. Thank God geothermal power plant is selling two things. One is electricity, but the other thing is hot water. So when you take a shower in Reykjavik, the hot water is coming from the same power plant that sells the electricity. And hot water is coming into the power plant as six centigrade cold water 
okay, that they then heat to 87 and send it to the showers and the swimming pools and even a private beach in Reykjavik, you can swim in the winter oh, yeah. because of this hot water. Yeah, that's fine. great. Right. So then you understand that the integration with the power is beyond the electricity. You need to connect to the cold water and need to cool different streams. The LEDs need to be cooled to keep them happy. And different algae strains need to be kept at different temperatures to keep them happy. And also recycle the gas phase and you need to compress the gas and cool the gas so the gas is happy. So you have to keep a lot of thermal balances, but you can do it because you have endless supply of cold water on one hand and hot water on the other hand, and you can play with it accordingly. So that was a surprise. Thank God it was there because otherwise, you know, the system would crash after a sec, just from thermal management. Yeah. And so you mentioned the different strains of algae. I think most people who are learning about this may just think about algae as like one kind of algae, but for a bit of education for the listener, can you just describe, you know? So first of all, algae are very sweet. It's a unicellular plant. Okay, I can say plant because I'm not a biologist, but an engineer, I can say it doesn't have any roots or stems of leaf, but that's why it's so efficient in production of plant. Because for example, think about this. If you grow soybeans, what percentage of the plant material, the roots, the stems, the leaves are the beans? And the answer is a single digit percentage. That impressive. Most of what grow is garbage. On the other hand, with algae, it's, it's a basket of nutrition. So a little basket that grows cell division, so it's a beautiful form to produce food and nutrition. Okay, there are hundreds of strains in the nature of microalgae. Okay, out of the thousands, there's like a handful. Okay, handful of strains that are approved for human consumption. You've probably heard about spirulina, which is a blue-green algae, and the chlorella, which is kind mm-hmm. of, uh, and there are other additional few that are approved for. But that's the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. I'm not saying it's a bad way to think about it. Some algae are toxic. So you need the regulation to tell you it's like mushrooms, right? You cannot, whatever you see. But we didn't, uh, I think that there was a technology gap that didn't allow us to harness this you know, source of nutrition, which is called microalgae. So it's, it's only the beginning, the way I see it. But I'll tell you something interesting we learned, which was totally surprising. And it has to do with the different algae spirulina. Spirulina is well-known. It's grown all over the world. It's one of the most famous algae. It's called superfood because it has a lot of protein and vitamins and minerals, etc. But one thing it does not have is bioavailable B12. B12 is usually coming from meat. You associate, but you know, the B12 in meat is not the cow, actually. It's produced by the microorganisms that are either in the cow's stomach or in the grass. B12 is a microorganism product. But again, like the fish, like the omega-3, we get it from the animal. And surprisingly, I wish I could tell you why I cannot. It was by mistake. Our spirulina that grows with LED lights, with this specific light combination that was optimized for something totally different, has a lot of vitamin B12 in the most bioavailable form, which is called methylcobalamin. Synthetic are not natural form. It's called anocobalamin. But this one is the, the exact same molecule we have in the cow, the most bioavailable form. And we have tons of it. How come? Honestly, only God knows. I don't know. I know the condition that leads to that. You know, I had no idea. But then it draws a very interesting line between this specific urina and beef. The line is very interesting because it's a nutritional aspect and it has an environmental aspect. Probably, you know, if you think about the environmental footprint of carbon, water, whatever, it's kind of the, most, the worst thing. On the other hand, if you're consuming meat, you're going to have a lack of 12 and iron, probably. And also, it's a beautiful vehicle for essential amino acids. These are the 
building blocks of protein that our body has to get from an external source. We cannot synthesize them. Okay. So all these are coming with your beef, the horrible, unenvironmental beef. That's kind of it. So think about all the alternative meat products out there in the world. Okay. It looks like beef. It smells like beef, but it doesn't carry the nutrition value of beef. Here comes the missing link, something that you can integrate the alternative meat product that elevates them nutritionally to something that is equivalent to beef. All that happened by mistake, or I would say unintentionally. Okay, so I wish I could tell you I'm the smartest, but no. And so for the folks that are not familiar with Vaxa, what is the current product offering? Who are you producing for? And what are some of the folks that you're working with now in terms of clients? Vaxa is a technology company that creates alternative foods rich in vitamins, minerals, and proteins. We use algae as a vehicle, but we're not an algae company. And we do it in a sustainable way. So by integrating algae as a vertical farming of algae with a geothermal power plant, for example, there was a recent study that looked at life cycle analysis, is measuring your carbon footprint. And it was done by Cambridge University, Danish Food Research Institute, and the Icelandic Food Research Institute. It's a joint project. And they concluded the VAXA operation is carbon negative. If you want to be conservative, you can say carbon neutral. Now, I don't know of any agricultural activity in the world that's carbon neutral. It was like shocking news to me. Really? Yeah, this is it. Okay. So it is different. What we're going to market is a batch of products. For example, we have a line of omega-3 products. It is alternative. The experience is amazing. You have no fishy burps. The absorption is very high. And uh, even the capsule is vegetarian. Again, it's not for vegetarians necessarily. It's whoever wants the, the benefits of a small, efficient dosage, no fishy burps, and a first-hand omega-3. So we sell it in the United States. If you go to allonnutrition.com, you can actually choose your products there and, and get them to your home. It's coming in a, in a recycled box. Even the print is algae ink on the package. Um, so the feel, and also you get like a, a glass jar, and then you, you have a prescription model, then you get okay. a bag with and you can use the same jar over and over. So this is one line of product. It's based on a specific algae strain. And then we have a different line of products that is based on spirulina. But unlike regular spirulina, the user experience is superior. You don't have the specific... Have you ever tried the spirulina? Yeah, I actually had a, a little bit this morning. I've got a supplement <laughs> as well I use. Okay, a little bit. Because yeah. sometimes I feel sometimes that spirulina should be called spirulina. Because it's kind of stinking, right? A little bit. Yeah. Between us girls, I can say. So it's a totally different user experience because it doesn't have the specific smell and taste of spirulina. And this is because of the cultivation method is completely different. Most of the spirulina in the world is cultivated in open ponds in mm -hmm. agricultural mode. What happens there is some of the algae kind of settle to the bottom of the pond and you don't see it because the pond is completely green and beautiful. But when you empty, you see what's happening on the bottom. It gently, it's not something you want to eat. And we'll stop there. So, yeah. so static algae is a problem. It's a protein root and bacteria are celebrating on it. So we, you know, in the vertical farming of algae, we do not have it. Everything is bubbling and moving. So there's no places for algae to settle. And therefore, when you smell it, it smells like nothing. When you taste it, it's like nothing. And it's so rich in antioxidants that literally, for instance, I did this experiment uh, not long ago. I was giving a talk at a conference and I was telling about this. You know, the color is blue, full of vitamin B12, and you need to have yogurt with, you know, Icelandic spirulina. And everybody comes to eat the yogurt and it's something blue. It's a, there are no blue foods, really. It's kind of your mind is saying, no, 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 right? 
And then you taste yeah. the yogurt. Tastes like the yogurt. It's a vanilla yogurt. It tastes like vanilla yogurt. So the dissonance between the eyes and color and the taste is shocking. And then I had the same people coming like five times. You know, it was like, yeah, so I said, I've seen it before. Yeah, but it's so great. I have to try it again. So I think there's something frightening, but also mesmerizing in the color and no taste experience. But for me, I look at the nutritional value. I'm an engineer. Yeah. I told you, I need numbers. Yeah. So I understand how valuable this is nutritionally, and that's why I'm happy. What we did is we signed a large off-tech agreement with a food ingredient company. I cannot say the name, but the largest players in the world. And it's a 15-year contract, which means that proves the point that going from agri to technology okay, allows large players to make you a partner offering. Because agriculture seems to us like something you need to pray for the rain, never know what's going to happen. So no one will be committed for 15 years. But technology, that's something different. So I think it proves the point, you know, that it's a different platform to, to create nutrition. And so that's on the consumer level, obviously. And, you know, I think everything that you're doing with Orlo is, is really interesting because it does seem to be like the future of, of supplements, especially like recyclable glass containers. And I think people are really conscious of the impact on the environment. And I think when it comes down to measuring the nutritional value, people are probably comparing it to traditional omega-3s. And have you gotten feedback from folks that have tried Orlo and what the difference is? Yeah. You know what was my hardest customers? My daughters. I have three daughters, one a medical doctor. She doesn't believe a word I say to check herself. This medical doctor, Daniela, okay? So she said, really? That's good? Okay, so I'm going to give it a try. So what she, she went, did the blood test, okay? So she cholesterol, triglycerides, all the blood works, right? Yeah. And then she started using it. And after three months, so first of all, she honest feedback about the user experience. Said, Dad, there's no fishy burps at all. Okay, one of the reasons she stopped using fish oil is because it just suffered from like unpleasant aftertaste. But this was gone, and it's a very easy to swallow pill. So she loved it. And then she went again to the doctor and did another blood test. And then she could compare the cholesterol level. Um, this lady is serious, okay? And she could see significant reduction in all the all the levels of triglycerides and, and cholesterol and I think uh, this was uh, her was my biggest challenge. But again, numbers talk. You don't need to. And user experience is something very easy to feel. Yeah. Right? So if it's something that's easy to swallow, or it doesn't smell like anything, if you pop up the pill and put it in water and see how it creates a little emulsion. I mean, everything I say is very is something you can actually feel, touch, relate to. So what we decided to do now is we're actually uh, starting a clinical trial with a hospital in Israel. And we're going to measure something called omega-3 index. Omega-3 mm -hmm. index is different from your blood because it's measuring the omega-3 in the envelope of your blood cells. So it's actually reflecting absorbance only how much blood, how much, you know, is in your blood. Mm -hmm. So everybody, and it's a scale between, I think, 2 to 12. So you can actually, and it's, you can online, you put one drop of blood in the kit, put an envelope, and you have your omega-3 index. So it's very easy to your own progress on the scale. And it's very easy to know if you're doing better or not. And then it's very easy to compare between fish oil-based and algae-based omega-3, which are polar lipids. So now it's a very easy thing beyond your, again, I'm an engineer. I like numbers. So it'd be very easy to show, look, this was your progress. How was your user experience? And the funny thing is you don't have to pay more. Okay. So we're not asking people to pay more for the benefits of having algae from the, the omega-3 from the source. So... You know, I've never met this person who would tell me, no, I prefer the omega-3 from the fish because I mercury included. I love it. Okay, <laughs> I've never met this person. So I think it's not a hard set.
So for folks that have never had the experience of, A, being in Iceland before, how much of a, a cultural shift was that for you? I would tell you something funny. Iceland is a lot like Israel. And it, was, it took me by surprise. I, would, I never imagined this, okay? It's a small society. They all know each other. You either played football with this thing or with a guy or you had, the, or it's your uncle or you, you know, you went to high school together. It's a very small society, very similar to Israel. Everybody knows everybody. And also they speak their mind. Okay. They're not rude or impolite, but they're very straight. Like there's no, uh, oh, great, interesting. Uh, let's see you next time. None of that. Okay. They go, no, bad idea. Don't talk to me about this anymore. Okay. And for me in Israeli, I feel at home because I know what's going on and, uh, you know, and no is a good answer. The second best answer is no. So I'm okay. It's fine. And we have a team of exceptional people. As you understand, it's a remote location for me. I'm not their boss. I'm their partner. They're not my employees. They're my friends. We share the yeah. vision. They mm-hmm. care more than me. They think about it in the shower. And what I see now, it's been, you know, we started in 2017. So we've been a while together. We, the thing that I described, the biologists, the engineers, and myself, we brought a concept, a proof of concept. They took it to the next level. Every time we come, it's better, smarter, more efficient. So it's their you know, heart and talent is there. And when you look at this team, it's actually very funny to watch. We have people from all religions, all sexes, all tendencies, all ages, like United Colors of Benetton. And in the weekends, they go together. And I was asking them, guys, you're stuck together the whole day. Now, in the weekend, you, you go together, you, you have a beer together. So yeah, we love each other. That's it. So it's, a, it's really, you feel it. It's just a unique talented, crazy group of people that love to yeah. be with each other. Talk to me a little bit about the experience of being in that facility, because obviously you know, I've talked to a lot of you know, CEOs of companies growing a wide range of products now and crops indoors. And then I think people are really open to the possibility of what's possible growing in a controlled environment. And so can you take the listener through a a bit of a, a theater of the mind virtual tour of what's the inside of this facility look like? What's happening? Is I'm thinking something like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, but except with algae. <laughs> it's not fun. And uh, just because it's so amazing and mesmerizing, we're actually building a visiting center in which you will be able to go in, have this crazy psychedelic experience of like this uh, <laughs> algae growing. And then you're going to go out to a restaurant and going to have your pizza with algae in the dough and a blue on top and you have the, oh, wow. the gin and tonic with the you know blue gin and tonic and and all of them so you're gonna have a full experience so we're working on it hopefully it will be up and running next year but yeah so if you from the outside it looks like a regular building there are no it's gonna close then when you go in you see something that's about uh, more than seven meter high it's a collection of panels each panel is uh, like a door it's five centimeter thick but it's like two and a half meter high and two and a half meter wide so imagine a group of those panels like a like a cartridges, okay? So many, many, and they're hugged on both sides with LED lights. So you look, it's like a big box with many cartridges and LED lights between them, and the CO2 enriched air is bubbling in the bottom of these boxes. So you have you have bubbles, so the sound of bubbles, the you know you see bubbles kind of running around. The color is red and blue, so it's like purple. So it's crazy purple color to the bubbles. It's the magnitude is huge. You have to go, basically, we take people inside this. You can go in. We have a corridor that can go in this thing, and it looks like out of this world. It, I cannot even explain. It's something you have to experience. And even for me, I've been there hundred times, two hundred times. Every time I go there, it takes me by surprise. It's so beautiful, you know. It's just something that really I can't explain. I think you have to 
experience it. It's, uh, and it gives you a feeling of something very futuristic, something that out of this world, you know, something you see in movies maybe. But it's real. It's working. And it's producing awesome nutrition. Pretty cool. How, what are the uh, opportunities for you if you think about you know, looking forward? I'm sure you have a product roadmap. I'm sure you have a vision for where you want this to go. And are there other opportunities that you have through VAXA that, you're, that are currently in the works that you know, may not have been on your radar when you first started, but now that you have the facility up and running, you know, what do you see as, as the future potential? Right. So I would I'll divide into two things. I would say one thing is we have people coming to us with all kind of algae strains that were actually approved for human nutrition and want to use this facility to cultivate them. As I said, it's a technology company. We just dial in the temperature, the pH, whatever, and then that's what the system can do. So we can keep many algae strains happy. So this is one direction we can grow. Basically, once the regulatory approval for different algae strains is there, we can bring this nutrition to the food market. Okay, so that's one direction. A second direction is people that were asking about, uh, can you only do it in Iceland or can you only do it in this specific plant? And the answer is no. If you think about what I told you today is actually you need electricity, right? Which you can get from the grid, right? You don't have to be physically at a power plant. You can get it from the grid as long as it's produced by you know, clean energy producer, wind, uh, wave energy, solar energy, hydroelectric, whatever the... Then you just buy those clean electro from the grid and be remote. And then you need cold water. As I said, it's a big oven. You need to cool. The water could be ocean water. The water could be big river water. The water, you know, underground water. There are many water sources you could use. So this marriage, I mean, for us, it was a one-stop shop. But the potential, where would you go next, is global. So these are the two things I see. It's a technology rollout and it's an algae strains rollout. And you need to find the uniqueness about the algae, right? You need to find something that algae do better than other, you know, I don't think, you know, compete with like staple crops, with corn, with soy. These are huge magnitudes, very cheap products. I think you have to find what's unique. It has yeah. to do with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids. These are the direction I think that, you know, this technology can, can create the, the nutritional value of kind of baseline foods. I imagine over the course of the years, you've become somewhat of an algae expert and connoisseur now. <laughs> I have to tell you that the more time I spend with algae, the more I appreciate the complexity. Algae are deceivingly simple. And I gave you the example. Spirulina is one of the well-known algae. Everybody grows spirulina. Everybody tried to. And all of a sudden, this thing that never produces bioactive B12 produces tons of it. It's non-linear, right? It's like... The different center conditions take you to a completely different place. So it's not, it's a very complex system. But over the time, I can tell you, I learned to appreciate them more and more. And I understand why they are the baseline of, of the food chain. Because they're so versatile, so adaptive. They're so reactive. It's like a dialogue. They just don't speak, but they react to any change you make. It's pretty fascinating. And it happens fast. You know, if I was growing sequoia trees, I would have, you know, have a long patience. These things happen in terms of hours. Okay. The doubling rate is hours. So. It's pretty fast. What's a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently? I would like to operate with uh, something in Japanese called mutainai, which is waste not. When I look at the algae, I want to make a nutritional home for all the components. Okay, so if you grow an algae and you take the oil and you sell the omega-3, what about the rest? Omega-3 is the majority of the biomass. You have proteins, you have minerals, you have a lot. So how do you find a usage for that? So I think... Look, it's not that different from a soybean farmer needs to sell meal and the oil, right? You have two yeah. products. If you don't sell one of them, you're in business. So this is a, you know, a similar situation. In our case, you have maybe three streams or four streams. You need to find homes. 
So, and many times it's ingredient into something a large food company would use. So you need to be able to play in many fields at the same time. That's complexity. I'm learning something from the algae. That's how they live. So I'm trying to do my job and accommodate them. But I think that's the trick. The trick would be to find a home to every product that you make. Only yeah. value. Makes sense. I noticed also that you were an adjunct professor at Reykjavik University. What's that experience been like? So the connection with Reykjavik University is a way to connect to young, talented people. To teach them some of the lessons I learned. You know, I started as a scientist. My business education was zero. I learned things a lot of in the hard way. And it's an interesting dialogue between regulation, technology, and business. This is entrepreneurship. And I have horror stories about each of the three. Okay. So I'm hoping that I'm giving them the tools to understand the three words. Again, you don't have to be an expert, but you have to understand all these three words. And decisions are governed by those three issues, regulation, business, and technology. I include algae in the technology side, although it's not exactly the truth. Okay. So that's something. And then you have a, a chance to work with it, with these. A lot of the employees started as, you know, master students, PhD students, and then we fell in love with them. They fell in love with us and the algae, and then we stayed together. So for me, to connect to the society I will live in and operate in and share the experience. And I think it's been so far been working great. It's a very unique place. I, again, coming from MIT, I underestimated the talent I can place with 300,000 people. Okay. They are amazing, super. I'm forgetting that I'm not in Boston when I'm there. The amount of talent and curiosity and high quality people is like something I cannot describe. You have to be there. Yeah, it sounds like it's been an eye-opening and an enlightening experience for you, not only from a cultural perspective, but also from this ability to continue to give back, which I imagine, you know, as a professor now, and you can see young minds really hungry to learn and to understand, you know, all these new technologies, future technologies. And I think having your perspective and your background is really bringing this interesting mix to them that they probably wouldn't have had the chance to experience otherwise. I'm not only academic, I bring a different flavor to, I'm connecting them to reality a little bit. And I also hope that they learn to ask stuff. You know, I think a lot of time is, there's a narrative that is not supported by science. For example, I'll give you one example are bad for the environment, but vegetarian-based foods are great for the environment. Let's eat vegetables. If you kind of think about it in terms of, you know, real numbers of including nutritional value, it's not that in some cases the answer is yes, in some cases the answer is no. Okay. So you have to have, you know, a way to challenge the common beliefs. Okay. But if you do that, you are on your path to something interesting and different and new. And uh, I hope that some of them you know, I shook them hard enough so they started asking questions and, uh, and thinking about this in a different way. As we wrap up, just curious, what keeps you motivated, you know, to get out of bed on a day-to-day? <laughs> I can tell you that uh, I'm very happy with what I do. I have to pinch myself sometimes to see how blessed I am because I live my dream. I work with the people I love personally, each one of them, and I feel that I bring a lot of good to the world. So I can't wait for the next day. Okay, so that's how I live. And I know how precious. I've been in other situations as well. Okay, so it doesn't happen every day. But I made a choice. You know, I was a professor in Israel. At the time, I was not connected to any kind of venture. And it's like I felt like, you know, in a basketball game, you know, the two commentators, they sit in a, in a studio and they comment about the game, but they're not sweating. They're not influencing the score, right? They're just giving advice or comments about the game. I didn't want to be one. I didn't want to be a professor that judges other people's work. I want to be in the trenches, fight for something that I believe in. And uh, on that level, I'm living my dream.
It's very inspiring. We're going to make sure we have links to all the the, the site, Orlo, in the show notes. So if anyone has any questions, Isaac, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your inspirational journey. It's really exciting to learn all the different things and crops that are being raised in the vertical farming environment. And every day is like a new adventure for me because I get to experience the enthusiasm you have, you know, living in a different part-time in a different country, which is not something probably years ago you thought would be part of your life's journey, but it just goes to show how exciting it is to leverage the best parts of this planet, like the geothermal energy that's happening, that you're able to, it's almost like marry these different parts of the beauty of what this planet is to create, you know, something bigger and better for humanity. So it's, it's very inspiring. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Pleasure to be here, Harry. And please don't believe a word I say. You're welcome to Iceland to touch, feel, eat, experience everything I just mentioned in the first hand. Yeah. Well, Reykjavik has always been on uh, the places to visit. So now I have a reason and some place to go see as well. So I'll make sure we include that as well. But we'll make sure we include the links. Anywhere else you want to send folks, we have vaxa.life and uh, orlonutrition.com. Anywhere else for people to, and listeners to connect with you? These two are great. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Isaac. Thanks to Dr. Isaac Berzin for taking the time to come on the show. As always, full show notes available at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. Make sure you check out all the work we do there, a summary, timestamps, key takeaways, any of the resources mentioned on the show are available there as well. Special thanks to our Season 7 title sponsor, Cultivated. If you're looking to a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last E. This episode is brought to you by Indoor AgCon 2023. I'm so happy to have been working with the team last year. Indoor AgCon 2022 was my very first indoor farming conference, so it was really eye-opening for me. So I'll always be grateful to the team there for rolling out the carpet for me <laughs> and uh, really had a good time meeting a lot of past guests and excited to join them again this year. Entering its 10th year in a row, it's the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming and CEA, and it's returning to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on February 27th and 28th of 2023. Once again, they'll be co-located with the National Growers Association show as well, which is a really good fit for them. The conference keeps growing, and this year it's doubled in size. The expo floor now has more than 170 booths filled with new product resources and solutions to explore. You'll hear from experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and others in the field during this full-scale educational conference. As always, you'll be able to connect with peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners at their great networking events. I haven't even gotten to the best part. The team at Indoor AgCon has given listeners of this show 20% off their full access conference pass. All you have to do is use promo code VFP, as in Vertical Farming Podcast, and sign up at indoor.ag. See you there. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more at fullcast.co. As a reminder, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. We'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Tune in next week for our conversation with another fascinating leader from the world of vertical farming. It's Tim Hayde, CEO of Scale Microgrids. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.